Welcome to The Struggle is Real, a show for 20-somethings that are trying to figure out adulting. I'm your host, Justin Peters. Each episode, we focus on solving a problem that we will face throughout this defining decade that wasn't covered in the classroom. This could include topics about our career, health, relationships, and money. Let's get into it. I've been so excited to share this episode that I'm going to skip the typical intro and jump right into my guest bio. Joining me today is Tim Trail. Who is Tim Trail? Tim is a husband and father of five children. Tim has spent three decades working his way up as a corporate executive in the financial services industry. Last year, Tim decided he needed a career break. As you'll hear in the episode, the beginning of his break was a challenging period. Tim was missing that sense of purpose and community he found through work. That was until he stumbled into TikTok. It started as a joke with his kids. He created DIY videos showcasing home improvement, decor ideas, and handyman tips. But what started as a joke quickly turned into viral content. And now only five months later, Tim has over 148 followers and 1.6 million likes. Of course, we'll talk about TikTok, but I also hope you pick up something about embracing change, developing curiosity, and empathy too. Now let's get into it. I hope you enjoy my conversation with the corporate executive turned DYI TikToker, Tim Trail. Tim, it's a pleasure. Justin, how are you today? I'm super excited. Uh, I've been really, really stoked about this conversation. My research was a lot different than usual. I'm typically reading a book or listening to podcast or reading a blog to prep for my upcoming guest. This was the first time I got to watch TikTok for an hour and I didn't say it was unproductive. <laughs> so well, was it an hour that turned into 10? The danger of TikTok. No, I stayed solely on your page and watched all okay. your videos from start to finish, which was a lot of fun. Um, so we're going to be talking about TikTok and I think we'll probably weave in a lot of other things. But first, what prompted you to start your TikTok account? Uh, so it was a bit of, a, it was started on a bit of a whim, to be honest with you. Um, I'm in a period of transition right now in my life between having a very lengthy professional career and taking a big chunk of time off. And uh, I'm several months now into taking that time off and um, becoming a little more relaxed, a little more laid back. I have a few more cycles day to day to interact with, uh, with my friends and my, my kids. In particular, with my, my children who spend a lot of time on TikTok, it became a bit of a joke about the old people that were starting to jump in and, and uh, create content and it was going to ruin the platform. So on a whim, I, I signed up and uh, in a week or so, I somehow managed to pass a thousand followers. And it was a bit of a joke, to be honest, Justin, just to get started. And I was just being myself. And over a very short period of time, I realized, you know, there's some traction here. There's actually an opportunity to get some exposure and, and connected with folks from around the world, from different regions who have different backgrounds, different ages, different thoughts and beliefs, different cultures. And uh, I just kind of fell into it. And I decided I would just, oh, I'll just keep being myself, uh, doing my little uh, quirky projects. Um, some of them are craft oriented, some of them are, are maintenance oriented. Uh, at some point I'll get into more heavy duty renovations and you know tiling and you know electrical stuff and bigger things, but um, yeah, it's, it was, again, I got in as a bit of a whim um, and it just took off. Just took That's off. cool. How, how much did you understand or know about TikTok before you started your account? And maybe even taking a step back for that, did you do any video type work or content creation? So I, I'm a geek. First of all, first and foremost, I'm, I'm a technologist. Uh, my, my career is, is primarily focused on technology. Um, so I've been using social media. I've been using my computers to do various things my entire life, uh, at least my adult life, uh, since computers became so relevant to us. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, dabbled a little bit for friends and family, uh, used to do some of my prof profile, some of my, my DIY projects. Um, you know, got some interest. My family and friends certainly know me as a, as a do-it-yourself kind of guy who just likes to learn things every day. Um, but no, TikTok was a new phenomenon, and and you know, yes, it's social media, but it's different. As you, as you 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 know, you get in there, you have these little sixty second increments of content, and you flash from one to the other, and you you can be learning about how to groom a pet, and then the next thing you're you're learning about, 
you know, the science behind the vaccines that we're all taking right now. And then you jump to politics and it's just, it's, it's a very different, it's a very different platform to me. Um, no, other than watching my kids use it and waste time, I didn't know much about it. <laughs> and now that you've been on the platform, used the platform, I'm assuming you're a consumer along with being a creator. What's your general thoughts on the platform? Do you like it compared to some of the other social medias that 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 you've used? Absolutely. In fact, um, I, I, from my perspective, and, and it's important to stress my perspective because I appreciate uh, that everyone has their own perspective and, and that sort of the basis of the point I'm about to make. What I find about TikTok is it, it is bringing together the masses in real time, close to real time. And, uh, but it's not sugar-coated. It's not like the, the fake book or the Facebook, sorry. You know, I've always called it fake book or I have for the last five <laughs> or 10 years because it, you know, the, a lot of the social media platforms, everyone puts on their big smile and they're, everything's the world's perfect and they're married and they have kids and this is wonderful. Uh, in TikTok, you, you see a good balance of reality. Um, you will see people struggling. Uh, you will see people uh, jump online who have had, you know, um, who have been alcoholics, who've had drug addictions, um, who have body image issues, who are just putting themselves out there. Uh, and you have the experts, you have the people coming in and, and, you know, doing that fluffy stuff. But it's just, it's just a good, I believe it's a good reflection of humanity today. And, uh, and it's, it's wonderful. And it's also scary at times, you know, the trolling, some of the negative things that can happen on that platform, uh, are real. Um, but it's, it's, it's life. So I, I do, I find the platform very different. Yeah. I love the platform too, just for micro learning. And I, I, I feel like there's tons of that on your account or your channel in general. I mean, I love the home decor. You did that, that feature wall with your guitar. And if people are watching on um, uh, YouTube right now too, they can see one of your guitars back there, but they should go check out your feature wall that that's down in the basement. That was a cool exactly. project. Yeah. <laughs> you got the, the hummingbird feeder, um, that indoor herb garden, which like, I think that was in like one of your very first videos. And I was like, what is that? Like, are we, are we just going to pass up on that? Do you, I was curious, do you, um, are there things that you add into your video or projects that you might've done um, that might spark some curiosity or some comments? Like, have you thought about like, oh, that was in the background of that video. And that's why people are asked or people might ask about this now. Definitely. Uh, mm -hmm. Definitely. Now, now initially I didn't think very much about that, but you're, you're bang on, you know, you have, you have about five or six seconds to, maybe less in some cases, depending on the age of the person viewing your content, to, to hook them for the next five second increment. And there are times, uh, a good example, um, some of the videos I've done with glass cutting and maybe some of the ones with their herb garden that you, you just referenced, um, there were products in the background. Um, my wife's obsessed with Norwex, which is a company that sells, you know, environmentally friendly cleaning products and cloths and stuff. I don't really think much of them other than I love using them wow, the traction, you know, for 40 plus women uh, that jumped in and said, I saw, I spy with my little eye a Norwex cloth on your counter. It had nothing to do with the content itself, but it, it did lead to interaction and it led to conversation. And frankly, it, it led to finding something in common with a stranger. Mm. And uh, there's a number of examples of that. If you look through my videos or other videos that you watch where I, I find people are attuned to the detail. Uh, do I intentionally do it? Uh, no. Um, there's a couple of times where I've thought about shooting video where I've intentionally tried to put some kind of a placement of something in it to get engagement and it's backfired on me. Mm. Backfired meaning just, you know, just flops. A couple thousand views. Yeah. Yeah. Flops, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So you mentioned you're on a break right now. Um, you've been out of work or off of work. I, I don't know, however verbiage you want to, you want to yeah. use on that. Cause I think it was super intentional the way you did it for almost a year. Is this correct? Yeah. So I have a, I've worked almost 30 years now in the financial services uh, world, uh, working for global financial service companies. The most recent one was 23, 23 years in length. Um, you know, great experience, phenomenal experience for me, uh, especially based on kind of how my wife and I got started with our family at a very young age. Uh, I didn't have the opportunity to go to school based on, on, on how quickly we had children and needed to, uh, to make some money. For, you know, for me, 
uh, after 30 years working in financial services, in particular since the, the uh, economic collapse back in 2008, which probably some of your listeners won't be too familiar with, but uh, it's been a tough it's been a tough go, especially in the North American markets and financial services. So um, it was a grind. Uh, a senior leader within a senior global organization, uh, lots of exposure internationally. I've worked a lot in the U.S. Um, certainly a lot of here in Canada where I live. Um, but it was, it was wearing on me. I'm 40, 49, I'll be 50 years old this year. I have five children. My wife and I've been married almost 30 years and um, I just needed a break. And I, I realized this maybe, maybe two or three years ago, it was starting to, to emerge as, as you know, this idea that I, I needed to do something different. Um, what, what, were you, what were you taking in there that might've led you to that, that conclusion or that thesis? Well, when you're a senior executive managing, uh, you know, millions of dollars in budget and, you know, hundreds of employees in this environment, in this economic environment, uh, again, for the last many years, it's all been about cut, cut, cut. And uh, there's a lot of jobs um, that have been moved outside of the U.S. and outside of Canada uh, to other regions in the market. And, and it's, you know, it's called labor arbitrage. I totally understand it. Uh, I never worked for a charity. I worked for a public company whose job was to make money for shareholders. So you make decisions based on, you know, things that are in the best interest of, of your, your various cohorts, in this case, uh, shareholders. It's tiring. Um, eliminating jobs, moving people around, cutting budgets. Uh, it's just, it's, it's a grind. It's a grind. And I, so I needed a break. Mentally, uh, we've been through a lot, raising five children, dealing with some challenges of aging parents. And it was just a lot. Uh, so I decided uh, back in 2019 uh, that I was going to try to figure out how to orchestrate uh, an exit, uh, either find something new and move on or just walk away and take a break. And that's what ended up happening. Frankly, the pandemic was the unexpected. Um, so as you said, I've been off for a while. I've been unemployed for a while. Uh, it's been almost 12 months. Uh, I did have a plan where I thought three to six months I'd take a break and find myself back into another big international company doing something very similar, making the same amount of money, that sort of thing. Um, but you know what? I sort of embraced the pandemic uh, as challenging as it's been. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I've had a difficult time finding that next opportunity. It allowed me to really step back and assess some things in my life. Uh, you know, look in that rearview mirror, which, you know, the only time you can do that is when you move forward to look back in, in, in history and learn mm -hmm. from it. And uh, TikTok actually was a big part of this, Justin. I, I, I realized that TikTok allowed me to be who I am, to be myself, um, but to be myself with a little bit of that, you know, 30 year history working in the corporate environment sprinkled in, um, human interaction, um, being empathetic and listening to people. Um, you know, th these are things now that in the last few months I realized, you know what, I don't have to go back to the big corporate America job. I don't need to be working internationally. Uh, and, I, and I'm going to find a job soon. Uh, TikTok, you know, unless TikTok continues to grow, if I get a few million uh, uh, more likes and follows, uh, who knows, maybe I can make a go of it. But I probably will be gainfully employed again soon, but it'll be in a different, it'll be in a different world. It'll be in a different type of organization, different scale, uh, because I have changed. Yeah. And with that change, what's, what is that next opportunity look like? Like, what are things that you've now decided over the last year that are important to you in the next opportunity? How'd you get to that conclusion? Well, certainly whatever opportunity I pursue going forward, there's going to be balance. There's going to be balance between work and life. And that's something that a lot of us in, in the culture, you know, the Western culture have, have, have grown into, which is we put everything on the line with our jobs. Um, you know, we, work 40, 68, 80 hours a week. Uh, we're away from our families a lot. And it's just go, 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 grow, 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 make money, be happy, go on big vacations. Um, there's not a lot of balance in our lives for the most of us, or for the most part. Uh, for myself, going forward, there'll be more balance for sure. Um, more hobbies, whether it's you know playing guitars, whether it's recycling wood from pallet boards, as you referenced my, my wall in the basement with my guitars. Um, whether it's art, artsy, you know, crafty stuff. Uh, I made a hummingbird feeder for the first time out of 100% recycled, 100 recycled material a few weeks ago. And, and that's had a lot of traction on TikTok as well. 
and personally it's given me an odd sense of of um fulfillment yeah and the, you know if i hadn't taken the year off justin i'm not sure that that these things would have clicked in my head it's it's really interesting that you mentioned that because last year i took part of the year off as well i took seven months off um as kind of a self-made sabbatical left in january had a different vision of that it was supposed to be six months um what that six months was going to look like and then the pandemic came and kind of ruined some of the plans but also still gave me that white space to like start thinking about what's important to me because i've been running in my own career since 15 really making money and always pretty much trying to work full-time part-time as much as i could push into my schedule um since 15 and i you know just after 12 years i just needed some space to kind of step back and figure out what the hell do I want to do? Um, obviously, I need to make some money. So how would I like to go about making that money? And I kind of came to the conclusion that I can start separating different factors in my life. Like my career doesn't have to bring me all of my fulfillment or my joy or my happiness. Like it can be the primary way I make money. And with some balance, if I find a career that can give me some balance, I can spend some time on a hobby that really brings me joy and fulfillment like this podcast. Um, So I, you know, my TikTok was, was this podcast. It was kind of born out of my time off and then I got to spend, and now I get to have great conversations with people like you and I still have a day job. So I'm not, you know, stressing about this podcast, you know, holding me financially stable. Um, You know, I can really just enjoy it and, and kind of shape it whatever direction I want. So I really, I really like that. And I think, sometimes we try to jam too much expectations for our career to carry. Like it's, it's gotta be what is developing your skills? What is making you money? What is bringing you joy? Sometimes even who your friends are too. Like how many of us (laughs) can say we have deep relationships outside of our colleagues? Like, and the older you get, I feel like the more I'm like (laughs) tied to just my colleagues and, and someone like you, it must've been tough walking away from, 23 years with the same company. I read that LinkedIn post yeah. that you put out um, whenever you're well. your job. And I could tell relationships mean a lot to you. Like it wasn't like, yeah. it wasn't, you weren't tied up in this whole job satisfaction. I think the toughest thing, at least what I got from that letter was leaving the relationships that you had with your colleagues and your vendors and all these people that have come and gone through that that period of your life. No, Justin, you're bang on. You know, the way my brain thinks about my past, and I think the past of many is, you know, when we're born and we're put on this earth, you know, everything's very prescriptive. You know, our, we look to our parents to teach us how to walk and how to run and how to eat and, you know, how to be potty trained and this and that. And, and we go to school and we learn structure and we learn process. and everything is prescriptive, everything around us, we're looking to the world to help guide us towards paths or a path. At some point in my life, I realized, and it was a hindsight thing. I I didn't actually realize this until many years later that I moved from that prescriptive, I need the world to tell me what to do to more of a, almost an osmosis type concept where I was was feeding off of everything that's happening around me. Uh, Most importantly, the people. And as you said, the, the people, you referenced my LinkedIn article when I left my employer last summer, um, it was very emotional. It actually took me a couple of weeks to, to sit down and pen that. Mm. When I penned it, it only took me you know, a half hour or so, but the people, it's a big part of it for me. I'm an extrovert. I, I get energy from, from those around me. And uh, it was a difficult transition. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, uh, you know, as a 49 year old, I can tell you, we learn, we continue to learn every single day. Um, we learn hard skills, we learn emotional skills, we learn coping skills. Um, the most difficult transition I've made in my life, it wasn't having twins at the age of 20 with, with my young girlfriend. It, it you know, wasn't um, you know, dealing with some tragedy within, uh, within my life. It was, it was leaving those people. Uh, it was that transition to silence and acknowledging that you know, I didn't have people around, you know, up and down the hallways every day to say hello to and talk by the water cooler with. Uh, And again, you know, funny enough, connecting the dots to TikTok, my only regret over the last 11 plus months is that I didn't start doing the TikTok thing on day one, or maybe a couple of months after I left. Uh, Because I've, I've, I've found, 
I've realized that what I'm getting out of interacting with people who have diverse backgrounds, who have different challenges, come from different cultures, is I'm back into that sponge mode and I'm actually fulfilled and I'm learning every day again. Even though the content, if you go through my content feed from beginning to end, it's just Tim spewing a bunch of tips and hacks and this and that, and you could find that anywhere. Um, the real value is what happens after those posts go out. And, you know, people ask questions. Uh, you referenced the air conditioner cleaner earlier. I can't remember if it was in our, our pre-conversation or during, during this interview, but uh, I did another TikTok post about how to clean your, uh, your air circulation vents in bathrooms. Now, what a silly piece of content. Well, that was, that was a couple of months ago. This morning, I got a note from a woman somewhere in the US uh, who went, who saw my video on the weekend. And so she went up this morning with her vacuum. She pulled down the, she started trying to clean the thing up, realized there's a bird's nest up there. Well, Justin, when we're done this call, I'm going online to look for tips of how to remove birds, you know, humanely and properly from, from duct, ducts that are, so, you know, connected to bathroom fans to try to help mm. this lady out. Mm. Um, I just, I, that's value. That's like being at work to me. Yeah. That's, that's, so, back. that's so interesting. Um, and, and I love when you respond to comments, you put the comment up there and somebody asks something great. Uh, you're, you're great at being really empathetic. Even when you're responding to some of your comments, like I'm reading some of your comments or your video response comments. It's really interesting that you start off first acknowledging the person because they're usually disagreeing with you or telling you something yeah. it's like the green thumbs whenever they were telling you don't put the succulent in the self-watering feed or yes. uh, or maya like you know people asking about shaving her things like that like you're so great at a lowering lowering everyone's guard like hey thank you i appreciate you um you acknowledge them you don't put them down or be defensive and then you just politely explain what your line of thinking on that that is such a skill that i picked up watching some of your videos was that something you learned through your career or how how did you pick up doing something like that is that five kids like like what yeah. <laughs> absolutely justin you're, you're right i mean it's it's being a parent it's um being a husband um but yeah, it's a lot of it is just is being uh, in the workplace and and being you know nine to five and beyond uh, you know working with with strangers for the most part um, people who you know aren't your best friends and dealing with problem you know problem resolution um, trying to help uh, teams figure out how to you know be more collaborative and move things from point A to point B constructively uh, most importantly with a smile as often as possible. Uh, and you're right, I, I, you know, as much as I love these social media platforms like TikTok, you, you know, this concept that everyone in the world has the ability to step up in the soapbox now and, and share what they want to share. Well, that's true of the haters and, and those negative people, those, you know, the trolls, as we call them on TikTok. And, and, I, and I have no shortage of trolls. You referenced something, um, you, you mentioned shaving hair and you're referring yeah. to one of our dogs. We have a golden retriever. We sh we, she's old, she's a senior, she can't shake anymore. She can, can't walk very well. Well, we, we shave her down in the summer. It's vet recommended, it's you know groomer supported. But yeah, the hate I got from people, like how could you possibly groom your dog? You're gonna destroy it. And there's pros and cons in that scenario. I won't get into that here, but um, it took 24 hours. I even referenced that actually on that video. Uh, and one of the first comments, somebody said something similar to what you did about how, wow, you're so gracious. And I responded and I, I was honest. So I took 24 hours, you know, the 24 hour rule, mm. all of us should think about that. You get a comment on social media that really irks you and you, you want to lash out. You want to quickly Google and get some facts and throw it back in their face. Don't just take 24 hours and don't think about that conflict itself. Uh, or that debate, think about the person, where they're coming from, uh, how much experience they have in life. Um, it just, it, it, it humanizes them. And then in turn, when I then, you know, film a video response like that one, I do think I'm more empathetic. I, I feel like I'm, you know, bring things down a little bit um, to a neutral level, if you will, and mm -hmm. just provide a further uh, platform for folks to have dialogue. And in that particular instance around, you know, do you shave your golden retriever or not in the summer? 
if you go through the comments and there's hundreds of them, it's actually people still having the conversation and debate. And, and all of a sudden there's vets and there's groomers piping in with facts and everyone's learning. Again, it's kind of a trivial thing, but that's what in my mind life is about. Every day, just getting up and learning something new and yeah. doing so constructively. Yeah, which which brings me to another point where I'm assuming, I mean, I can tell, and I hadn't worked with you before, but reading your recommendations on LinkedIn, how you wrote that LinkedIn post, just getting to know you a little bit through my research, relationships um, are a huge strength and, and skill set for you whenever it comes to your, your, your career. Um, but something I noticed both I think um, from a hobbyist standpoint, the fact that you are interested in spending time in hobbies and um, what I'm assuming probably catapulted you in your own careers is curiosity, is this whole concept of learning something new every single day. And it is impressive that you are a senior executive at a large financial uh, services firm. It's even more impressive that you started in the mailroom at 19, 20 years old. Can you walk us through- how you got that opportunity to begin your march or your career path to a senior executive? Yeah, I'll try to. I'll try to sum it up. I mean, my, my story isn't that unique. Uh, I know it, I know this story, uh, many can relate to it. And I've met many people much older than myself and my wife who have shared similar stories. Um, there's not a lot of us that talk about it. So my wife and I, um, not necessarily high school sweethearts, we both had our own, you know, our own high school sweethearts, but towards the end of our high school careers, uh, we fell in love. And um, after not too long, surprise, surprise, we got pregnant, um, found ourselves not only pregnant with with one, but with two children at the age of, of 19. <laughs> and, um, you know, that that came with a whole bunch of life lessons that were accelerated and, and, and wow. Yeah, that was a very tumultuous period for our lives. Um, but what it did is it, it kind of forced me to get down to my roots, which were that survival instinct. Um, and, and something you and I didn't talk about previously, but I'll tell you, uh, image wise back in the day, when I was 19, my hair was down to my waist. Um, I, you know, five earrings, you know, hanging off my, my, out of my ears and, you know, bracelets all up and down my arm. I was going to be a rock star. Um, but I realized that that wasn't going to pay the bills. It wasn't going to put diapers on the kids. It wasn't going to put, you know, food on the table. And, um, I jumped on uh, the train. I, I live in a suburb outside of Toronto, Ontario here in Canada. And I jumped on a train and, uh, went downtown, put my hair in a ponytail and just started applying at temp agencies. And I did find myself, uh, I landed a job in a mailroom. As you said, it sounds very contrived, but I started at 19 working in the mailroom of, of um, actually Fidelity Investments. I'll share the name of the company. They were new to Canada. And, uh, you know, I think my nature was such that I was always, I've always been inquisitive. I like to ask questions. Uh, and I like to raise my hand and offer myself, even if I don't know what I'm doing. And that's essentially what I did as that company started to grow in the early 90s in Canada. Um, I just kept putting up my hand when we had challenges and we were short staffed to do processing or do this or that. I would say, well, I can do that on my lunch hour. And it just one thing led to another. And I just kept being given opportunities. You know, I used to call them shoulder taps. You know, someone would tap on my shoulder and say, hey, Tim, I know you've you've now been. So I went from mailroom to marketing. You've been in marketing now for a couple of years. You're, you're you know, entry level. Would you? like to move over and learn sales because you happen to build good relationships with brokers. So I made that move. I just kind of went with the flow. Uh, there's really no secret to it other than the concept that as paths emerged, uh, I just willingly onto them. Mm-hmm. Didn't know where they were going to take me. And I went with it. And uh, yeah, yeah. For you, rest, you, 30 years. You kind of glazed over it, but I don't think everybody would work in a mailroom and volunteer on their lunch break, probably like the only sane time that they have to go and take inbound calls from brokers um, for no, you know, no, like, I don't know, great gift or reward at the end of that line. Like it was you just realizing that they needed help because they were inundated with calls 
you raised your hand, hey, this is my only free hour that I have, you know, throughout my workday, how could I help you? And then through that, you know, one of the one of the people in the marketing team realized that you have the core skills needed to be in a great employee. Was that something that was instilled in you through your parents or that you learned looking up to somebody? Like how how did how did you know to just raise your hand, volunteer your time? <laughs> that's just I, I don't like you say that's common sense, but maybe that's just yeah, not common practice. Fair. Yeah, not, not just that's absolutely fair. Uh, you know, I, I, I thought a lot about this over the last uh, several years um, because I'm very fortunate. I, I, I feel very grateful for the career that I've had and, and I believe I'll continue to have um, despite not having the formal education and, and things of that nature. Um, and as I think about it, I, I do believe that, you know, probably being raised by a very strong woman. Uh, my mother is a really exceptional individual who, in the early years, uh, actually from when I was born, my father left um, just before I was born. And so my mom was on her own right through delivery, having to move from one city to the next with a girlfriend. I had an older sister, so there was two of us that my mom was looking after. And, and my memories are not that crisp as a young man, as a very young child, um, but I know my mom taught me perseverance. Um, funny enough, she also taught me how to sew. <laughs> and crochet and do a bunch of other skills that you know may or may not surface on my TikTok channel in the days and months ahead. Um, but yeah, I would attribute a lot of that to my mom being in survival mode back in the 70s and uh, needing to figure things out and, and push forward. Uh, and being along for that was, you know, probably the best place it could be. Yeah. So how are you thinking about parenting now? You, you mentioned you're a father of five. Um, you had your, your twins at 20. Um, how, how young is your, your youngest right now? Yeah, our youngest is 16. Uh, 16. So we have, yeah, so our twins are, eight, are 28. Or actually, they just turned 29 last, uh, last month. And um, so they're, yeah. So about four 13, boys years. <laughs> 13 years. 13 years. 29 years of parenting. Um, yeah. Uh, walk me through some of that. Like, what did you learn through, through that? Um, and what are you thinking about in terms of instilling values or legacy with your kids? So that's a really broad question. Uh, so I'll do my best uh, to, or to attempt to answer it. I, I, I believe that I used this analogy earlier that there's paths put in front of us every day. Uh, I think for the most part, increasingly as time goes on, uh, at least in Western culture, when paths emerge, people shy away. They they turn. I'm not familiar with that. My encouragement as a parent has always been walk down. You can take two or three steps down that path. If it's uncomfortable, if it's scary, if it's not what you like, you can always step back and you can just move to another path. But you need to move forward in life. Mm. And, and, and my philosophy as a parent, not having the formal education, um, has been uh, education is important. And if that's a path you wanna take, that's a path your mom and I are gonna support you on and we're gonna help figure out how to get you into school and how to help you know, put some guardrails in place to get you, get you through that, that phase of your life. But school's not for you. And, and that's true for some of my kids who are you know, maybe a little bit like me, very hands-on, not very academic uh, in the traditional sense. Um, just take an opportunity to learn something new. Introduce yourself to things, to people that you otherwise, you know, might not want to or might feel a little bit uncomfortable. And, and, and through taking steps, whether it's having a conversation with somebody about what they're doing in their life, um, you know, or picking up a book, you know, learning about something that, you know, you don't even know if you're interested or not. It's, it's going to, you're going to figure out, is that a path to, to move down or not? The 29 year olds, they, they're probably on their path and they are, you know, kind of learning and whatnot. There's still probably some guidance with the 16 year old though. Like I remember 16, um, it was a, this is a really challenging time because you know enough to be dangerous and that's probably the real problem. <laughs> like you have some responsibilities now, but like, do you, are you worrying all the time about just like the major mistakes they could potentially make? <laughs> and like, how do you go about balancing the whole fact that 
hey, I need to guide my kids in the direction in, in the right direction, what, however you define right direction, while also not limiting their freedom and allowing them to make create their own path. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting world world, and and this response might sound like it contradicts a little bit of my 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 past as a parent, but you know, I think we have an incredible opportunity today. Uh, our youth do. Um, the world's opening up. You know, there's no longer geographic boundaries the way I knew them as a child growing up. Um, there's no longer cultural boundaries that exist. Um, you know, this this you know diversity inclusion is is a common theme now. It's something that's discussed internationally through all modes of life. And uh, what what I've seen, particularly with my youngest kids, is they're very in tune with what's happening in the world. And I'm actually realizing that I have so much to learn from them in this moment. Mm. My parents, and no, 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 nothing negative about my parents. They're wonderful people. But back when I was 16 years of age, like to your earlier point, they know the rules. They know what to do. They provide guidance. They put the framework in place so that I'm successful. So I wake up on time. So I get to school on time. So I learn at the right rate and I can make something of myself. Mm. Um, and I'm finding the youth today, again, an ode to TikTok. Like I love this about TikTok is I can have really good conversations with a 16, 17 year old. Um, but probably a few years ago, I couldn't, mm. you know, there was just, there was, there wasn't a platform to connect. So with my kids, uh, diversity inclusion is really important to me. It, it was uh, and continues to be uh, as an executive working in a large environment, uh, but certainly as a human being, it's really important to me. But I'm still learning angles to what it means to be inclusive from my 16 year old daughter um, that I never thought of. Uh, so she calls me out, she calls, she calls out adults and, and I'm okay with that. Sometimes we have to remind her you know, to do it a little bit more tactfully. Um, and, you know, here's a good example of, of being tactful. Um, may sound a little bit silly, but back to TikTok and differences in, 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 in cultures and, and regions of where people are from. I do DIY stuff. So I, I, talk, I do projects all the time. But often when I enunciate words like project, I'll say project. The amount of 18 year old young men in particular, almost always young white men that jump in from various parts of North America and say, you are an effing idiot. Don't you know it's project? This, the, like I get it, I can understand their motivation, but those are individuals that just, they need a little bit more time and exposure to the word, world because if they enter the workplace and call someone out for their enunciation or their pronunciation of something, um, it's not going to go well for them. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, you know, it's great that everyone has a voice. Kids everywhere have a voice today. Um, but they still need a little bit of mentorship. Yeah, that was very tactfully said. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as we're, we're kind of rounding out this, this conversation here, I do want to speak briefly on your marriage. Sure. Thir almost 30 years together with somebody, um, all 30 years, you've had lots of kids in the equation, you know, teen, um, you know, getting, getting pregnant at 19 puts a lot of stress on your life, not being able to attend university. How the hell do you stay together over a 30 year period? Like, do you, what, is there anything that you attribute, um, you know, a moment that was a learning lesson early on in your your marriage or something you guys do as rituals or routines that you feel like have paid great dividends and allowed you to have a thriving long-term relationship? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think uh, for us, I mean, first of all, I wouldn't, wouldn't recommend uh, anyone intentionally going out and starting a life <laughs> the way my wife and I did. Um, because, you know, to your point, there are a lot of bumps and, and challenges along the way. Um, although, although, embedded in that statement, um, you know, when, when you do start young, and th this is true for us, and this helped us, we didn't understand the concept of disposable income. We never had it. We actually never had disposable income, probably until we were, you know, into our 30s, and had a whole bunch of kids, uh, maybe even closer to 40, where we had enough money where we could go and take that 
you know, a fabulous vacation, that, you know, 10 day cruise with all of our children and spend lots of money. Um, when you don't know, know something like disposable income, it's okay. you don't know what you're missing, right? So that allowed us to venture forward and do so comfortably, um, at least being at peace with who we were, the money we were making, the things we were doing to, to provide for our family. But as a, as a couple on the relationship front, you know, without getting too deep, um, like any couple, we've had a lot of challenges. Um, you know, we both have different pasts. We have, you know, different skeletons in the closet from our, from our youth that uh, at various times, you know, reared their heads. And, and figuring out how to work together and understanding, most importantly, that we aren't the same people. We each have strengths and weaknesses and they're not the same. And at times we have to figure out, I, you know, I need to sharpen my strengths in order to offset uh, my spouse's weaknesses and vice versa. Um, we've established a true partnership. And, uh, you know, that's something that, that I think has been critical uh, in my personal life and, and frankly, in my professional life as well, but is understanding that I'm never going to be perfect. Mm. I will be wrong at least 49% of the time when I'm <laughs> conversing with my spouse um and you just you get on with it um uh, yeah it's being supportive of one another and and uh use the word empathy earlier on in our conversation yeah. being empathetic to one another with challenges as opposed to sympathetic mm. it's very very important nuance yes agree to support one another yeah yeah speaking of um supportive what does she think about your content creation career that is becoming, uh, and, and I don't even know if we mention it and maybe I'll mention it in the bio too. I mean, last I checked, you were at 123,000 followers, 1.4 million likes. Um, sure they're vanity metrics, but there's something concrete there. What you're doing is successful. Uh, when did she start taking that serious and what does she think about it now? Yeah. So we still joke a little bit about it. It's only been four or five months now. Um, she's supportive. Uh, she's not a big social media person herself. She is on TikTok, and, you know, for the first time she often will see some of the hate that comes through mm. and, uh, those trolls that, that post some nasty things and, and her tendency is to jump in there and defend me. Yeah. Um, she doesn't generally, she did last week on a topic and I had to quickly, you know, pull her from that. But, um, you know, I think she, she buys into it. Uh, I am doing a bit of affiliate marketing now. So what I found in the early days, the first few posts I did, which are terrible, I wouldn't recommend anyone watching them, but I had a lot of questions and it took me so much time to answer them around products. I realized, well, you got this Amazon associate thing. So I set up an Amazon associate account. So I am getting some, um, some income through, through purchases there. So once, once I started buying pizza on Friday night, for my TikTok money, it became real for her. So she's supportive. <laughs> That's cool. And what have you learned about, I mean, you, you spent some time in marketing itself um, and TikTok. I mean, I could, I could see your growth over the first from, you know, video one to video 10, you kind of figured out a good strategy for you. What have you learned about marketing in particular with your TikTok content? Yeah, so I have actually learned a fair bit. Um, and uh, as well, I, I realized that I knew a lot more before I started about marketing um, from my past. Um, yeah, I, I certainly, I made some decisions after uh, a few successful posts that if I was going to grow on this platform to really figure out if it was sustainable um, to steer away from certain things. So the, the, this, you know, screws are better than nails terrible content. It might've got me 4 million views and a bunch of followers, but um, it's such a debatable thing. Uh, so I have steered a little bit uh, recently towards uh, the more of the crafty stuff, which actually gives me a little bit more fulfillment. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm learning how much I enjoy doing that. But the cohort or the audience that tends to get attracted to that is of a certain demographic of a certain type of individual. And I'm right now focused on doing more of that and growing that base. Mm. Um, I've also learned uh, the mistakes too. Um, I posted a video a couple of weekends ago about one of my dogs. We were talking about it earlier. Um, 
it totally took me to the wrong side of TikTok for two weeks. I all of a sudden went from the DIY stuff and getting tons of traction to all of a sudden every video I saw was about pets. <laughs> and every comment I had was about people and their dogs and their cats, which kind of got me off target and, and lost some momentum. But uh, yeah, lots of learnings every day. And do you know what? Uh, you made a reference earlier, um, or I think we both did, about being younger and knowing everything. I think we were a little more tactful in how we, we said it. But I've often reflected back on the last few years of my life, and certainly the last four or five months since I've been on TikTok, and realized that I am so grateful as a human being to have the opportunity to learn and be corrected every single day. It's a lot more satisfying than when I, when I was younger and I knew everything. Mm and close my mind to the feedback, mm. constructive or otherwise. Mm. That was a, a really great thought. I really enjoyed that. Um, what's next with TikTok? I, it doesn't seem like you have any pending projects out there that you've teased um, that's coming. How do you, first of all, how do you decide what what projects that you're gonna take on and display on TikTok? Do you have a list? Well, so yeah, so I do, I've got a bit of a mental list, but so far, uh, the things that I've done are just things that have naturally happened in my life, you know, fixing a hole on my deck, um, you know, having too many hours of nothing to do. So building a hummingbird feeder out of a old vodka bottle, pop cans and, and string, I'm, I, that, that those things were not, um, you know, I, I didn't set out a, a content strategy to build that or to do those things. It just happened. Uh, so right now I'm in a bit of transition. I'm not really sure what's coming next. Um, we spend our time here in Canada, at least in, in our world, my family on the weekends, we go up North to a mm -hmm. cottage. So some of my content, you'll, you'll see me flipping back and forth between the city and being way up, you know, in the Algonquin Highlands region of Ontario, Canada. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what comes. Um, there are some things I'm sitting on. You might find this interesting, but for example, uh, this weekend I filmed, we had some rain. And one of the challenges being in a cottage on an island up north of Canada is there's mice everywhere. Mm. So I, I did a video on how to build the best mouse trap, how to, how to increase your success of eliminating mice. And I've recorded that. I haven't posted it yet because I'm feeling like I might get a bunch of hate. Mm. So... I'm rambling a bit, uh, Justin, but I, I, I realize that, uh, you know, maybe I am starting to get in tune with the platform a little bit more than I thought. Yeah, that's really interesting. And um, if you do post it, I'm interested to see how the reaction with the mice, um, <laughs> how the mice go, because I, I just assume that is probably a touchy subject. You're going to, you, you might cross some humanitarian thing and get down the wrong rabbit hole with that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what my thoughts are on that. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's a problem. Teach people how to solve the problem. <laughs> and I'm assuming knowing you too, you're not doing it in an inhumane way. No, no, no. Um, but it, but it's a bit of fact of life, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I remember the one, one email I, or one, one uh, post I did on TikTok um, not too long ago, I had water running in the, in the frame of the camera, as I was breaking a bottle, I was doing a cutting glass thing. And man, the hate I had from, from the youth population on how leaving the water running, which I totally get. Like I, I get it. Yeah. Reality is holding a camera, cutting a glass bottle, moving from boiling water to cold water, all in 60 seconds is hard to do, but people won't cut your slack. Mm. They'll just, that's okay too. It's got to keep you honest. Um, yeah. Tim, it's been a pleasure. What is uh, your TikTok handle? I'm assuming a lot of people are probably curious after listening to this to go check out some of your content here or watch some of the things that we were talking about. So can you share your handle with us? Yeah, the handle is the DIY trail, all one word. Uh, the last, uh, my last name is trail with two L's. So it's uh, at the DIY trail yep. on and TikTok. That's... And I'm on Instagram as well, but it's pretty much just a copy of what I'm doing over on TikTok. Okay, so... Your preferred platform, Instagram or TikTok, feel free to go find them. The DIY Trail, and that's T R A I L L, two L's there. Correct. Tim, my final question for you um, feel free to take it wherever you'd like to take it. Um, but if you had the attention of a group of graduating college seniors um, for a 16 week course, what topic would you teach and why would you teach it? 
So this is a really, really good question. Um, you know, I think the most important thing for me in my life that I have to learn myself and I continue to learn, and I referenced that a few times through this conversation is diversity inclusion. And I know there's, there's gotta be some curriculums evolving uh, and some coursework around that. I, I don't know what they look like, but diversity inclusion is really important. And I'm not talking about the most obvious uh, forms of diversity and inclusion, like you know, gender equity and and you know, sexual orientation and things like that. But I'm 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 thinking even beyond that into you know, those are disabilities, visible, uh, visible disabilities, vis disabilities that aren't visible, mental health issues. As the world continues to evolve and the geography uh, is becomes less important, and things like you know, working for a global company and not physically being present being virtual, being remote means more people from diverse backgrounds and cultures with different thought processes are going to be pulled together, right? You're not just gonna be working in that little, you know, that company in your city that you were born and raised in, that your parents were born and raised in. So diversity inclusion would be really, to me, that would be something that would be a huge focus uh, mm -hmm. for teaching young grads, you know, help to accelerate them into, the realities that they're going to face in the workplace. Again, projects or project, you know, you get on a call and the first time you're in a meeting and someone says the word project, so maybe it's some Canadian like me, you call them out, man, that's like, that's going to be a strike. You may not even realize it. Mm. Um, being aware. Mm. Um, yeah, there you go. Well, Tim, it's been a blast. I am so excited to see what's in your long-term future, but um, also your near-term future. If um, where you decide to to take your career and um, where tech, TikTok brings you as well, I, I really appreciate your so genuine on the platform. As soon as I started watching your videos, which is why I reached out, I was like, "Man, this guy just loves to make these videos. He's not doing it for." any other intrinsic reason besides the fact that like, Hey, I want to learn and I want to inspire other people to learn. So that's super cool. I appreciate you joining me on the podcast. Yeah. And I appreciate the opportunity to talk, talk with you today, Justin. And uh, I really appreciate what you're doing for youth uh, with this theme of, of, you know, the struggle is real. Um, I think it's critical and uh, because there's a lot of value in the content you're bringing forward. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you like this conversation today, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified about new episodes. If you want to connect with me, send me a message on Instagram. I'm at Justin Lee Peters. You can find show notes with links to everything we discussed today at justinpeters.co. This episode was produced by Gabby Dimeke. I'm your host, Justin Peters. Thanks for tuning in.